we all have made investments in life uh, and some have paid off and some haven't. I remember reading a story by the renowned thinker Helmut Thielicke and he tells the story of a small boy in a wealthy family who ended up getting his hand stuck inside a very expensive vase which would have been a Chinese artifact extremely valuable and uh, the family were trying every single little thing to try to get his hand unstuck from inside the vase. I guess this was uh, before the time of YouTube tutorials. You know, if you get stuck with doing something and you don't know how to get out of it, you just go type into YouTube and very often you'd find it. Some crazy person found a solution to it, but this wasn't the case. So in the end, they had one important decision to make. Will the boy stay with his hand stuck inside of ours or they will just have, say it, say it, they will have to break down the vase by smashing it into pieces. You can guess, they were good parents, you can guess what they did. They did smash the vase. But to their stupefaction, you know, they were so amazed because really what they found is that the boy was holding a little coin inside the vase. So he made his fist bigger. And because he didn't want to let go, and of course they couldn't see this, because he couldn't let go of the little coin that was inside, he couldn't get his hand out of it. Hey, this can happen to us too, so very often. We sometimes cling to what seems to us very exciting things, and yet they end up being incredibly worthless. And instead of winning, we lose something very significant. This is the parable that Jesus is telling, and we're going to look at it today, uh, about a rich man and his plight. This is again a parable. We, we started looking at parables a few weeks back, and parables are simple yet subversive stories that Jesus is using to tell a very important truth about life and about spirituality. And very often those stories seem to be very easy to understand, but let me tell you, they are very challenging. They too tend to get under our skin. So here is the passage in the Gospel of Luke chapter 12, and we're going to read from verses 13 to 21. And it's known in the Bible as the parable of the rich fool. Someone in the crowd, and this is just a context, someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out and be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then he tells this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones and there will be in store 
a place to put all my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life would be demanded from you. Then he will get what you have prepared for yourself. And then this is Jesus's conclusion. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. This man that the Bible calls a foolish, wealthy man made two mistakes that I want us to look at this morning. The first one is this. He ignored others. He ignores others. You see, the parable that Jesus is telling us, it, 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 it's got loads of detail. He was already rich. Jesus is calling him a certain rich man who yielded an abundant harvest. So double blessing, double whammy, everything was just really working out for this guy. He was already a rich guy and on top of it, the main source of income for him, if you want, his business is coming good. Things are looking fantastic and basically he's yielding an abundant harvest. This is so clear. This man is economically and financially blessed beyond his expectation. Adding to his already notorious wealth, he gets a good bit of extra wealth that comes in right on this year. Now, he asks a good question, so he's a shrewd businessman. He says, what shall I do with this because I haven't got anywhere else to store it? Wonderful question, very pragmatic. He's trying to look for a solution. He's a smart guy. The question is good. The conclusion or the answer that he has is certainly wrong because this is what he says. This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones and there I will store my surplus grain. Now, put yourself into this person's shoes. You would experience the same thing. You're, you could be a business person. Let's just play this game. You could be a business person and certainly you're a farmer and your crop comes good and you have extra. What are your options? Your options are probably fairly simple. You can store the grain that you have. You can sell it. Or you can give it away. Or maybe a combination of some of those three particular options. Storing, selling, giving away. And certainly the way you solve that problem, that conundrum, the way you come to a conclusion of how to sort this will tell you about your outlook towards wealth and particularly other people. And certainly the one thing that is very, very clear about this man Nowhere at any point it even enters his mind to think about other people. It's just all about himself. So he chased financial security. He thought to himself, I know what I'm going to do. I'm already wealthy, but I'm going to make sure that I've got extra reserves. You know how we say it? Just in case. For those rainy days. For those times where the economy might be a little bit unsure and I'm just going to have stuff put on the side that I'm going to invest. 
in this. It's interesting because he talks to himself, <laughs> which is never a good thing. I remember one of the commentators, Fred Craddock, said this, this man lives for himself, he talks to himself, he plans for himself, and he congratulates himself. <laughs> you get it. It's all about himself. And he talks to himself, and the solution that he has come to is to knock it all down, rebuild it bigger, and then here is his mantra. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. So he's making sure that he has a good deposit, a good financial deposit, and after that, he's seeking satisfaction. The two things most of us are very tempted to chase, security and satisfaction. And certainly this man nails through his solution both of them. I'm going to secure my future, so even if I don't know what's going to be happening, I'm going to do well, and I'm going to chase satisfaction. My ultimate aim is eat, drink, and be merry. That's his aim in life. He's chasing those things. And this is not a new problem. This goes in the Bible all the way back to Eden. When right at the very beginning, the enemy, the serpent, Satan in disguise, comes and tempts Adam and Eve by promising them, fake promise, by promising them that if they disobey God, they will get something better, that they will become smarter. And he promises them a deal that obviously was not true and certainly didn't deliver the expectation it has that they had, but actually they go for it. Why? Because they are prideful and selfish. They want something that they think God is keeping away from them. And this man, in his heart, he's selfish. At no point in the equation, nothing ever comes in this that makes him think about other people, or particularly other people who are less fortunate than himself. It's all about himself. He ignores others. He never ever thinks about them. And the interesting thing as well that strikes me, and the two are so much related, at no point he's thinking to look above and be thankful to God. And I think because he isn't aware where his wealth has come from, his heart isn't generous on the horizontal. You see, the vertical and the horizontal are very much linked. If we are not aware where our wealth comes from, if we're not thankful and grateful to God, we're likely to be selfish and greedy and will not have a thought for a person in need that might be really looking for some help. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17, this is a telling verse and it's something we should always remember. It says this, you may say, my power and my strength, the strength of my hand, have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And this is why the Jewish people, the Israelites, had this whole host of festivals that were in place and this whole host of systems of generosity and giving that were meant to remind them where it's come from and that it isn't theirs to use in a selfish way. I remember of this church that didn't, uh, didn't have a car park. They were meeting in a hired venue and they were having to use the car park of a supermarket next door every Sunday they were using the church. 
And interestingly enough, as part of the contract, the supermarket demanded that one Sunday every year, the church could not use the car park. Do you know why? Because, and this is what was written in the contract, because they wanted on the 52nd Sunday to remember who the car park belongs to. So they didn't have a sense of entitlement. And this man was certainly very entitled. He felt that the, the world owed him everything and it was all about him and his wealth and everything that he could have. And he was incredibly greedy. But there's a turn in the story and it reminds me of one of Aesop's fables. Fables, again, are very similar to the stories that Jesus is telling. And this was an ancient uh, fable called Dog and the Shadow. And very often the fables will tell a story that will illustrate a point. And th this particular fable uh, from Aesop, he was the most famous fable writer of the ancient world. A dog was crossing a stream with a bone in his mouth. And he looked into the water and he saw a reflection of himself with a bone. But then what he thought he saw was another dog who was carrying a bone. And again, you probably can guess where this is going. In his greed, because he wanted, he wasn't happy with a bone that he had in his mouth. He wanted some more bone that he saw in his reflection. He opened his mouth to grab the other bone. And of course, his bone fell into the water and was taken away and he lost it. Well, this is the turn that happens in the story because this man with all the wealth that he has, Jesus comes with a strong question. And first of all, he didn't think about others, but the second thing that he doesn't think about is eternity. He didn't think about eternity. He ignored eternity. And Jesus is saying this about this man in the story. God is saying to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And then the question of application comes from Jesus. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. We have to think about eternity. There are not many things that we can be sure in life. Well, one thing and one incredible warning that comes in here, we will all die. There'll be a time for all of us to meet death. And to all of us, it will come at different times and in different ways. I'm sorry if it sounds morbid and somber, but it's true. It's, it's the truth of life. We, we are born and we pay taxes, a lot of us, and we die. And Jesus is reminding us of this warning. We will all die and it's an important warning. The second one is this night, he says to him, your life will be taken away from him. We are not in control of our lives. We don't know when we will die. Sometimes you can have somebody who would say, hey, you know, I'm young, I'm healthy. I've got great genes. I'm going to be all right. You cannot be sure. None of us can be. Je Jesus is saying God spoke to this man in the parable, in the story, and says this night when you're planning to, you know, knock down all your old balance and build some new ones and eat and drink and be married when you've got those plans. And that suggests to me that the guy wasn't entertaining a thought about death. It's exactly at this time at night 
your life will be demanded from you. You will die. The third warning, it's very simple. We can't take any of this stuff. The stuff that he put in the barns, all his grain, he can't take it with him. And neither can we. And again, Jesus is making it very clear when he expresses this in verse 21. This is how it will be whoever stores up things for themselves. And then in previous verse, who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And in other words, you can't take it with you. I remember somebody famously saying in America, when, when they move house, they hire a, a, a truck, a U-Haul. And basically they just put all their stuff in there in this big long truck. And basically they, they, they use it to move all their gear, all their stuff. And this particular person said, it's funny, I've been at many funerals, but at none of the funerals I have ever seen behind the coffin one or two or three or four U-Haul trucks. This is the truth, and you and I know it. We've never seen anybody at his funeral we've been have a great wealth of all the cars, all the houses, all the properties, all the clothes, all the designer gear they've got. They can't take it with them. All the trophies, nothing. You can't take anything with you. So what's it for? When it comes to die, and let's be sure that we hear this warning, we will all die. Let's sure we hear this warning where Jesus is saying, you know what? Uh, you don't know when it's going to be happening. It, it could be happening at any time. You think you're in control. Wrong. It can happen tonight. And the third one, you can't take anything of the things that you've invested in financially, economically here. You can't take it with you. It just won't happen. And the man should have heard that warning. But the fourth warning that comes here is that we must be rich towards God. And in other words, what Jesus is saying, and he spoke in a different passage in the Sermon on the Mount about this, we must make sure that we gather treasures in heaven, not here on earth. And that's a significant difference. So not only Jesus is encouraging us to be very careful about not storing treasures up here on earth. But he's saying, what are you preparing for when it comes to heaven? What are you investing? What is it that you can invest in your life right now that will actually have some sort of a bearing and some sort of an influence in heaven? And I remember telling the students at Cape Renee, for me, it's really simple. It is investing in people in people's lives, in changing people's lives. Because if I change a person's life through everything that I have and everything that I do, I am making a difference in that person's life and it will have a huge impact in heaven. This is the calling that God is giving to this man. Wake up, because everything that you're trying to build for yourself, all the selfish stuff, will be lost. But if you choose to actually invest things, this will make a big difference. Let me read to you the words of Jesus himself. Matthew chapter 6 verses 90 to 24. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Instead, store up treasures in heaven where moths and rust 
cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there is your heart. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters. For you will either hate one or love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And then James the Apostle, in James chapter 5, 1 and 6, again builds up on that. And this is what he says. Look here, you rich people. Weep and groan with anguish because all of the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth you were counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated on their pay. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourself for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people do not resist you. There's an injustice that an exploitative person has perpetrated on the life of others in order to make themselves rich. And James is saying, you're going to get what's coming if this is how you choose to live. Around circa 250 AD, during the Decian persecution in Rome, the Roman prefect burst into a church demanding, a church gathering demanding, show me your treasures. One of the deacons, Laurentius, went downstairs and through the doors of one of those rooms. And then he said, these are our treasures. And it was full of sick people, orphans, widows and the paupers, all being cared for by members of the church. That's the contrast. That's the kingdom calling that comes to us all in this. I think I will apply three tests for myself and you might find it helpful as well. When it comes to thinking uh, about wealth and eternity in a desire to be wise about this. And the three tests are as follows. First of all, I'm looking upwards and I'm asking the question, am I thankful? Am I aware that everything that I receive isn't due to me and my ability, but it's a gift from God? It's a really important perspective, looking up. Second, I'm looking around and I'm asking myself the question, am I generous? Do I hear and see the needs of those around me? Do I have a heart that is willing to be responding in a very practical way to the needs of those around me? Looking around, am I generous? And then, and I think this is hard, I want to look inside and I want to ask myself this simple question. Am I greedy? 
and all three are related. But very often, if I am greedy, I will not be thankful, I will not look up, and I will not look around at the needs of those around me. These are the three test questions I would ask myself and I would want to make sure that I have a different way of responding with the things that God is giving me. In literature, there's a story that tells about a man who opened a newspaper, discovering that the date on the newspaper was six months in advance from the day he was reading the newspaper. Wow, this is quite amazing. And as he began to read through the newspaper, he was discovering stories about events that were likely to be play, to, to take place. He turned the, to the financial pages and realized how the stock market was working and the rise and the fall of the different stocks and bonds. He also looked at the sports results. And then he had a thought. He thought to himself, I can make a lot of money out of this because I can maybe put my money and some investments in some of the stocks that are going up and make sure that I tell other people and again, make some more in that. I could bet on some of the sports results and again, get some large sums back as a reward of this. But as he kept flicking through the paper, thinking about his fat cap portfolio that he was going to have, he turned to the pages where the obituary section was. And then to his horror, he saw his very own picture and his very own name. And because of that, everything changes. I wonder how would we respond, me and you, if you had that kind of an experience? How would we respond if we suddenly realise that everything we're chasing and everything we've amassed, we can't take it with us? And we're actually going into the presence of God fairly empty-handed. How would you react to that if you knew that your life here on earth will come to an end and you're chasing this stuff that has no value there how should we then live how should we invest our finances how should we treat work how should we think about the things that we chase and the things that we own these are deep searching questions but also important I remember hearing a story about somebody playing this imaginary game in which they are in heaven, in the presence of God. And in their life on earth, they weren't particularly involved in Christian ministry. They were a clothes designer. And they started a business um, and they made sure that everything they did was very ethical. They sourced their materials ethically. They hired people and paid them a great wage. And they just did really good jeans, really good designer jeans, fairly priced, 
fairly produced. And when it came to surplus, they made a very clear choice that they were not going to spend the extra income in order to get a bigger car, a more expensive brand, a bigger house than they needed. Uh, uh, anything that would just buy into the image that goes with having money. And instead, they decided they were going to invest as a Christian project into providing water wells in the developing world. And as part of that, they established a team, they established a charity, and they just went over several times there. They got to know the people and they were sharing as well about their faith in Jesus, the one who is the living water. At their death, they went to heaven. And when they were in heaven, suddenly they heard a cry coming from somebody in the crowd. And certainly there was a person waving at them. And as they looked, they saw that person and that person came near, drew near. They didn't recognize them at first. And then that person started talking and said, we know you, you guys are, you're, you're, you're the jeans designer from America. You are the ones that came to our local village, to our local community. You are the ones that opened that well with fresh water that changed our local community. You are the ones that told us about the Jesus who is the living water. See, I think that's what it means to live making investments for heaven, investing in things that will last forever. It's investing in people. It's investing in changing people's lives for the better. It's investing in giving them a future. Will you join me in that?